0: another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. Well, wherever you are in this world, whatever you're doing, all of us are experiencing new norms. And those new norms are changing on a daily basis. What do we do? How do we handle living in constant fluctuation. And that that's what hap- that's what's happening. We are in constant fluctuation. So I don't know who follows me on social media. If you don't, you should. <laughs> it's real exciting over there. Um all over the places. Uh but I have been planning for Over three months, it's been in the works for me to go to Texas to do my meditative archery workshops. I went there last year. I've been talking about it on here. It's no secret. And I kind of, when things started to get a little wacky, at least in the United States around the coronavirus, um, I've been paying attention. And just kind of, you know, looking, seeing what's going on, monitoring, you know, the airlines, staying in contact with my friend Kelly, who I had on the podcast at the beginning of this month, Kelly Stewart Hall. She is my main source um, to get there and do all the things that I'm going to do. And so we've been talking you know, what's going on in the Houston area and outside the Houston area. And at the beginning of this week, I kind of had this feeling that I was probably going to have to reschedule it. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. It feels like a cancellation because of how much work I've done in putting it together. I mean, this is over a 100 hours of my unpaid work trying to make something happen and for those of you just just business wise those of you that have a small business like I do maybe you're a creative maybe you're making pottery maybe you're a spiritual director maybe you're a therapist that does it out of your home I don't whatever you do you know how much labor it takes to get something off the ground and it is a labor of love um and I think that's why when things fall apart, and usually when things fall apart, it's out of our control. When things fall apart, there's a lot more grief, I think, when it, when something is a labor of love. You know, it's like when my friend Tamra Bryan, who's a potter, you know, I think it was a few months ago she made a really big, beautiful... I think it was a tureen with a lid on top. And it was beautiful and it dropped. And this is after all of the work was already done. All the, you know, bisque firing and the glazing and the refiring. it was all done. And that's... There's grief because there's love that goes into that. So... I knew before I ended up having a phone call with Kelly that I was going to have to reschedule it. And so I'd been thinking about it, you know, for a few days before we were able to get a phone conversation. And when we talked, we both knew, because things, you know, on the ground in Tumball, which is outside of Houston, where I would be going, there things are changing rapidly. And things are changing here in Portland rapidly. We went from... School being called, canceled. Um, We're in our first week of school being out because of the coronavirus. And then next week is spring break. So they were hoping that that would give us a two-week buffer. And then I think yesterday the governor called that we would not go back to school until april 28th here and all of the restaurants have closed and you can still get takeout but you know everybody is experiencing like i said new norms some of the things that come with those kind of experiences are grief maybe grief feels like too strong a word for you I think it's a combination of grief and disappointment. Um when when I had to cancel and reschedule the Texas archery workshops, I thought I was prepared, and then once that phone call was over, I just really felt sad. You know, I spent hours and hours and hours of labor on that. Like I said, it labor of love. And I don't have to start from square one, but it kind of feels like that. You know, I'm going to have to do another event. I'm going to have to reach out to people again. People's schedules will change. And, you know, if I choose to look on the bright side, I could say, you know, maybe doing it in the beginning of November will open it up for more people to participate. That is, that is a possibility, but I don't know that. And so I want to talk about disappointment because disappointment is on the rise right now. And maybe you're an introvert and you're like, this is a dream come true. I get, I have an excuse to be alone in my apartment or my house. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can watch shows and read books and eat good food. Nobody's denying that could be a joyful thing. But. Even for, I think, the most staunch introvert, the strict the strictures that are coming and that are here for some of us are disappointing. So what I did yesterday after I made that call, I think that was yesterday. I don't know. Everything's a blur now. <laughs> Todd said earlier he didn't even, how could he know what time it was? Because... It just feels like there's no way to know what time it is because there's no, even though we've put ourselves on a schedule, just there's too much downtime. Anyway, what I chose to do is I chose to feel that feeling. I chose to feel that disappointed feeling. And I talk about this a lot on this podcast, the importance of feeling our feelings and feeling our feelings in the moment that we that we're feeling them, as best as we can, some things we it's not safe to feel in the moment, some things are so big are so connected with trauma or triggering that we kind of have to feel those feelings after the fact, but as best as we can, as safe as we can, feeling our feelings as close to the actual moment that it's happening, I think is really good because it connects us to those feelings. It connects us to ourself. A little background on me, which I've talked about on here, is I have a significant amount of trauma in my childhood. And on top of just the trauma alone, feelings were not accepted at face value. And what I mean by that is I tended to be emotional and what the people in my family called oversensitive, which is not a thing. There is not a thing. There's not a thing called being oversensitive. You are just sensitive. And it makes people uncomfortable. And so in order for them to feel better about themselves, they make you a target. That was what happened growing up. If I showed emotion about something and my emotions seem, seemed extreme, like the pain of another person, a, the death of an animal, the injustice in the world, and I would visibly be upset about it, my parents did not appreciate it. And so I learned very early on to kind of hide those feelings as best as I could and I wasn't very good at it, which is probably good because it has helped to get back in touch with those feelings not being very good at pretending as a child. But it's also been difficult, you know? I don't... I wouldn't say that I don't trust my feelings. I don't always feel like I am free to express it because for so many years formative years, I wasn't free to express it. I wasn't free to just curl up into the fetal position and be sad that the world was so fucked up. When I saw, you know, famine on TV, or I saw, you know, dying animals, or I saw, you know, I would go and visit our, we had an old folks home in our Town. I grew up in a very small town and back then you could go and visit the older people. And so being a two on the Enneagram, a helper, I really, I really liked visiting the old people and singing to them or, you know, hugging them or whatever. But it also made me really sad. So I'm saying all this to kind of illustrate that sometimes it's easy for me or it may seem easy for me to say, hey, feel your feelings. And when I say that, I really believe it. And it can be a lot more complicated or difficult for me to actually give myself permission to feel my own. So I can be honest about that. But yesterday, I was like, no, I'm going to feel disappointed about this. And I think... One of the gifts, if there can be any gifts, to this coronavirus is I have room to feel it. You know, I don't have, you know, I'm not trying to go to Texas. Kathy Escobar was supposed to come to Portland and promote her book. And that's what I was going to be doing this week. I was going to be hanging out with my friend we were going to go do some archery. We were going to go on some hikes. She was going to promote her book. That's not happening. So I have the sadness of that, but also the room to give myself the space to feel my feelings. And so I did. You know, I said out loud to Todd and my daughter Brennan that I was really disappointed that I had to make that call. That I was disappointed that I had spent hours and hours and hours of my time building this thing. And I will never get paid for those hours that I spent. Which I can also be sad for not getting paid for work that I've done. And work that I will do because of this. Um, And I just, I took a run with the dogs. I kind of was in my feelings and when a wave hit me I just let it and then I then I watched a I watched a British mystery last night and I just let myself feel what are you going to do with the disappointment that has either already come for you you know and and i don't think any of us are strangers to disappointment if you're a human in this world living life unless you've been sheltered in a way that i don't know if that kind of sheltering exists and you have not had anybody disappoint you most of us have experienced acute disappointment some of us more than others you know, some of us don't walk around with the Midas touch kind of having, you know, this effect on people that prevents them from disappointing us. <laughs> you know, being a human in the world means that you are being disappointed and disappointing. And it also means so much more. It means that we have unique opportunities to own the shit that we do and say sorry for it and also try to stand in that liminal space of also letting others own their shit too. Now, what are you going to do with the disappointment that's coming and is there a way to be a prepper about it? I mean, (laughs) there are people... Uh, that have been preparing for this moment for years you know they cashed out their 401k took all that money built a bunker and stocked up on dry canned go- goods water medical supplies they are set you know they have prepped their way to the isolation that they've been dreaming of for most of us we have not prepped in that way, but it is possible that we have been prepping for this through therapy, emotional intelligence, looking inside, meditating, being mindful. All of those things are prep for this difficult time. And also, we can be disappointed so giving ourselves space to feel those feelings when they're happening, or at least until, you know, when you're raising children, it can be really difficult to get that moment for yourself to kind of tap out and go, okay, I'm going to feel my feelings now. Everybody else has to just shut up. That That doesn't really exist for parents. I think parents... And anybody raising children in that parental role, you may have to go to the bathroom and lock the door and give yourself a minute. That, that can be a mindful minute of just breathing and going, I'm really pissed right now. I, I can't have another person talking at me or panicking or needing me or whatever it is. Creating moments for yourself In the barrage of the neediness of others, to give yourself what you need so the people around you that you are responsible for aren't casualties to your feelings. And remember, most things that we say or the anger, the snap anger that we feel in that moment, we can say sorry for and make restitution for with our children and it's also a really good example of being in a relationship with another person and having them see you say sorry and then actually work towards not repeating that so creating things if you know if you have to go okay mommy or daddy or auntie or grandma or whatever your role is in your family we're all going to take we called it a lodge in our house because we learned it from somebody else where when our kids got past nap time age everybody had to go in their bedrooms you could have a glass of water and you could have a you could have a book that you were reading but you couldn't get up you had to be still with yourself for an hour so something like that building something like that in this time that we're kind of you know on this forced quarantine or in Portland, it's a little bit more than social distancing right now. Um, So how can you prep right now before, you know, we're, we're Portland is, we're 40 days without school at this point. So for the next foreseeable future, we are going to be with each other. The three of us, Todd, Brennan, and I, are going to be in our house together with our three pets. Trying to figure out how to give each other space, how to be kind, how to, if we have a blowout with each other, how to own it. It's already happened. Todd and I already had a blowout this morning. And it took 45 minutes, but we worked it out and we apologized and were farther down the road because of that conflict But it was not fun. And also you can easily feel like in that moment, oh my gosh, this is going to be the next 40 days. You can easily go down that slippery slope of how am I going to survive this? So what does prepping look like for you? It could look like, you know, taking that moment to be in the bathroom alone. It can look like teaching... You know, your children to have a lodge and teaching yourself to have a lodge. It can look like mommy's going to meditate right now. And if you want to be with me, that's totally fine. But you have to be quiet and you have to lay on my chest or you can sit down and do your breathing. You know, all of these opportunities that don't feel really like opportunities, they feel like challenges. But we could try to shift our vision. To these being opportunities for teaching moments, teaching moments for ourselves, teaching moments for our children, teaching moments for our friends. Like, I have limited resources, but what resources I have, what can I give away? What can I put out there? What can I do that's going to make me feel better? And as a two, it feels good for me to be with people and be helpful so, you know, I did a lending library. I had a bunch of books. I missed our library's close I I didn't get to our library before it closed, so I wasn't able to get a stack of books. And I desperately love to read and I like an actual physical book. So I was like, okay, I'm going to pick 30 books from our bookshelves I'm some of them are kids some of them are adults some of them are fiction nonfiction. I'm going to wipe them all down with bleach wipes I'm going to put them in a box I'm going to tell everybody on our street because we have a neighbor we have a street um, group chat called the Borthwickens because we live on Borthwick Street and so I just put it out there hey if you borrow a book just take a photo of it and let me know and there's books on the front porch if you run out of books and every every night I bring them in, and every morning I put them out. So they're also in the sun all day, and sun, you know, kills germs. So that made me feel better. Has anybody come and taken a book? No, <laughs> but it made me feel better. And every morning that I put it out, it kind of feels like I'm doing something. So one of the ways of curb curving curbing curbing our disappointment, not curving. Curbing our disappointment is allowing ourselves to feel it and not have it overwhelm us. So, one of the things that I taught my kids to keep them from slippery, slipping down into a black hole of depression and emotion is to teach them how to time what they were feeling. If they felt like they were gonna get overwhelmed with a feeling, I would say, Hey, we're gonna set a timer and you're allowed to feel this for ten minutes. And it sounds harsh, but it really does teach somebody to not slippery slope into an overwhelmed feeling, but to manage their feelings and to also be able, I can be in control of my emotions. I don't have to let my emotions control me. So that's one of the things that you can do if you're feeling overwhelmed is you can say, okay, set a timer. I'm going to feel this for 30 minutes and then I'm going to table it. I'm going to reward myself for being emotionally present with myself. And if I need to return to it, I'm going to set a timer for five minutes next time. That's one of the things you can do to handle the long haul. The other thing is do the lodge. The other thing is... Give yourself mindful minutes all during your day to take deep cleansing breaths. Limit how much news you're you're taking in because it's changing all the time. And unless you think it's going to change something, like unless you have to go out to the grocery store and you're worried because maybe something's changed and now they're saying, hey, don't do this, and you need to watch the news to kind of check in. Limit your access to all of that dark and dangerous and terrifying input. Because that's not helping you. It's not going to help your kids. It's not going to help your partner. It's, it's not going to help you feel more secure and taken care of. Reach out to people that you love. You know, we are living in a time where we we can do live chats with people all over the world. I was worried about my friend Vion in the Netherlands and so we FaceTimed and I got an update on what's happening in Groningen and I got to chat with her and we set up another time to have another FaceTime and I voice chatted with my friend that's in Spain, just to make sure that she was okay and checking on her. Like there are a lot of things that now, you know, we have WhatsApp, we have Voxer, we have, you know, we can, we can communicate, we just had a FaceTime with our son in LA, who's really going through it, because he has to take an hour bus ride to get to his job working in a grocery store, Being exposed the whole way there, being exposed the whole way, the whole time that he's working, and then take an hour bus ride home. So, you know, because of FaceTime, we can be on a phone call with him. Yes, I can't hug him, and I want to be able to hug him. But I can at least, we can, Todd and I can talk him down. We can remind him to breathe. We can remind him of his tools. We can tell him we love him. And we can... Also tell him that we've got him if he needs it. So what I would challenge you to do is list things that will help you be more prepared. And I'm not talking about toilet paper, food, and medicine. Hopefully you have access to that and resources to find that. But how to stay prepared emotionally. What can you be doing every day You know, are you eating as healthy as humanly possible? Are you, if you're trapped in your house or stuck in your house, maybe trapped isn't the right word, but if you're stuck in your house, are you exercising? Because it does help with our emotional well-being to be physically active. I don't care what that is. Maybe you're walking in place. I don't know. Maybe you're doing like there is walking meditation where you walk super slow, and but you're moving. Maybe you're, like I talked about last week, maybe you're going out and sitting on your porch. Like for me, I have made a decision that I am going out every single day and walking my dogs or running my dogs until we're told we can't go walk around anymore. I'm going in the backyard. I'm getting as much vitamin D from the sun as I can because I know me. I do better outside than being stuck inside. So I'm giving myself what I can where I'm at. Do what you can where you're at and tap out when you can't. We cannot be everything to everybody Parents cannot be everything. You can't be everything to your children. So where can you tap out? Where can you say to your partner, if you have one, hey, can you take this? I need to just, you know, go run around the backyard. Or if you are a single mom or a single dad or grandparents or a grandparent raising your grandchildren, where can you tap out? And you might look at your life and go, there is nowhere I can tap out. I guarantee you there is a place where you can tap out. It may be going to the bathroom. It may be taking a shower. And maybe that doesn't feel like much, but if you focus that time, you can turn that time into a more meaningful experience by meditating, by breathing, or just being like, I can do this. I can do this. I've got this. I'm not alone because you're not alone. It may feel like you're alone in this, but you're not alone. We are all going through this experience that is unprecedented together. So that that's that's kind of where where I'm leaving this, you know, how can you prep to last the long haul because we don't know how long this is going to last, and some of us are in different are in different places on the timeline than other places, like Seattle cracked down because they had more cases than we did. Seattle cracked down before us now, I don't know if that means their you know self quarantining is going to be over before us or take longer because they had more cases. I don't know. But we're all on different places in the timeline of where this is going and none of us know how long it's going to take. So we have to look look at it like we are in it for the long haul or frankly, it's just too disappointing. If there is no end in sight and we are looking like, oh, the end is coming, the end is coming, then we're constantly disappointed. But if we are training ourselves to survive this. And thrive in it. Then. Then we'll make it. And we'll make it by leaning on each other. We will make it by looking at the helpers. Like today. I went and walked the dogs and schools out. So I went to the playground. And I looked over. And there were people. um, Manning these tables. Womaning these tables. <laughs> and peopling these tables. And I realized that they were passing out food for the kids that depend on food. They get, you know, probably their only meals of the day at school. And so they've created 15 locations across the Portland area you don't have to go to your local school. You can go to the school that's closest to you. Even if your kid goes to school, you know, 15 minutes away, you can go to the school that's closest to you and get food for your kid. And then another table had a bunch of books and learning things that if your kid's going stir crazy, here's some things. If you don't have a computer, here's some things that you can be doing with your kid or your kid can be doing. And it made me so happy. It's like, Mr. Rogers there's that thing that Mr. Rogers said that his mom always told them told him look for the helpers. It brings me so much joy to look for the helpers, to look for the people that are going how can I help? What can I do? And I asked, I was like, "Do you guys need any volunteers?" I mean, they they knew Todd because he works there. And they were like, "No, actually, we've got it really covered." That's that's a good thing. They're helpers. They're exposed. At least they're outside. You know, there are all kinds of ways that people are helping each other. Look for those. There are also ways that people are being jackasses by hoarding food and stealing, you know, and fighting over toilet paper. We can focus on those things for sure. What good does it do us to focus on those things? It just confirms that we already think humanity is a, you know, flaming pile of dog shit. When we look at the helper's We see that humanity, there's so many beautiful people out there, so many people doing, you know, amazing things that aren't paid to do it. And the people that are paid to do it are doing amazing things like nurses and doctors. I mean, your person that works at the grocery store is getting exposed to coronavirus and they barely make a living wage. And that is huge. They really don't have a choice and they're still doing it. So be kind to each other. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself space. I would love to hear your creative ideas. I mean, I keep asking. I think we can compile a list of creative ideas for not only what you can do in your own downtime, but what are you doing to emotionally prep? How are you prepping emotionally? How are you prepping self-care? How are you prepping to stay present? How are you prepping, rewarding your healthy choices? How are you prepping to engage with your family and your friends? What are you doing? I want to know what you're doing. Will you please tell me what you're doing? (laughs) Because I think it helps us all to go, hey, here's a list. You know, maybe it will help. I think a lot of people are doing that on social media. They're posting like, Somebody created a schedule for their kid, and so they posted that schedule so other people could borrow it if they wanted Here's what we're doing we're I saw this thing today where I think it looked like it was in like a um you know like a a neighborhood, and the neighbors were all having like nighttime drinks, but they were all like fifteen feet apart, sitting in their lawn chairs. In their neighborhood. And I thought that was so beautiful. It's like bringing, it could be potentially a way to bring people together and hold that space for each other instead of being the thing that separates us because it's a common thread that we all are having to go through. So I'm interested in unique and creative things that you're doing and I want you to know that you're not alone. And if there's anything that I can do, please reach out to me. You know, if there's something that you want me to talk about, I I got you, and I can BS about it if I don't know. Take care of yourself, and remember, you are worth knowing, you are worth loving, you are worth being in this world. I love you guys. Here's the blooper reel. Mistakes were made. Living in constant you flucu- <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be an interesting one. Constant Lucky fuck <laughs> shit, I can't answer it.